welcome. I'm Erin Cuthbert, footballer for Chelsea and the Scotland national team, and you're listening to the Blue Day podcast. My friends, to the show that never ends. Yes, folks, this is the Blue Day podcast. And for Chelsea fans everywhere, every day is a blue day. I am your host, Keith Lawrence. And welcome back, my friends, with the last show of 2023. And we hope you've had a lovely Christmas. And apologies to those that have got Chelsea shirts with Sterling and Jackson on the back for Christmas. My regular co-host today, Milan, is unavailable today. But we have got somebody, the perfect substitute, that will bang in the goals for us today rather than a certain Jackson. He is a fellow member of Chelsea Fan TV and an all-round good guy, Charlie Patrick. Charlie, welcome to the show. How are you today? No, mate, thanks for having me. Yeah, not not too bad, thanks, mate. Obviously, you know, you rounded out the year at Stamford Bridge with a win, which is always a good thing. Haven't been able to say that too much um, in, in 2023. But yeah, look, let's try and get one more win to finish this year and then hope that we can put a quite frankly, disastrous year behind us and and move forward in 24. It's been a terrible year. It's For Chelsea standards, it's been a terrible year. When you look at, yes, we've got a new ownership. There's a new structure in place. Has it worked so far? Some people will say it's a work in progress or trust the process. Other people will say it's not worked at all. But we'll go through certain aspects of this year in, in general. So at the start of the year, the January window was open. We was linked with 30, 40 players a day, both on social media and through other means of media. And we was able to bring in the likes of Felix, Badishil, Mudrik as well. When you terms of Chelsea's transfer policy, with you as well sort of looking out from in, has this policy of bringing in young players that some people have never heard of before, other people might have heard of from football manager, do you think this has worked so far? Uh, so far, you'd have to say no. But I don't think we can get a, a real accurate representation on it. It Probably for at least another, another 12 to 18 months. I know that might seem like a, a little bit of a cop-out answer. Because a lot of these guys are so young, so inexperienced, they're going to they're gonna develop and it's not going to happen straight away. But if you're looking at it right now, you'd have to say right now that this plan so far hasn't worked. doesn't mean that it won't work, but so far... We're struggling, and it's kind of. Look, I don't want to sit here and say it's obvious it wasn't going to like it was going to be like tough to begin with because I, I like a lot of Chelsea fans really enjoyed the business we've done in, in, in the transfer windows. You know, it was exciting, probably a, a good distraction from things that are going on on the pitch. But it was good to see that you know, despite our struggles, we are still able to attract like quality players that a lot of our clubs wanted, and we're in better positions than us. Um, but ultimately, right now, you can see that with Lawrence Stewart, with Paul Winstanley, the guys tasked with putting the squad together, it's clearly it's clear for me that these guys have massively misunderstood what you need in a squad to compete in the Premier League. Because there's a reason for me why there's never been a squad put together like this in the league. And it's not because they're stupid directors at other football clubs. It's because it doesn't work. Or if it does work, it's going to take two to three years to see that working. So look... I understand it's frustrating. I get it. The, the football, the results have been not, not been acceptable enough. But at the same time, you know, we have to look at 
what's been put above above the like above the manager and above the players and stuff in terms of the structure and think these guys got it horribly wrong. Who's impressed you so far of the players that we've brought in in 2023? And you look back on the January window and we brought in a lot of players, even Jal Felix as well, we brought on loan. Even in the summer when we brought in 12 to 13 players, a lot of them really young. They've not played in a top league like the Premier League before. Who's impressed you and which players would you like to demand more of? Mate, I've been really impressed with Malagusto. I know we signed him in January and he only joined this summer, but I said it at the time. He is going to be one of, if not the most important signings in this, in this, in this, you know, Bowley era. In terms of, we know Reese James, fantastic player, on his day, the best in the world. But unfortunately, he's had a lot of injury problems. Hopefully, the surgery he can put those behind him. But Gusto coming in, that's that was so key for us. I think he's been brilliant. You know, uh, he's, he's still a young kid. He was fantastic against Crystal Palace the other night. He, he has done, he's done really well, and that is a key sign. I'm not saying that we don't miss Reese James, but because we absolutely do. But with Gusto playing and playing on top form, it makes that miss of Reese James much less than if it had been, you know, an ageing Aspilicueta like last season or Loftus-Cheek filling in at right back or, 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 or whatever it might have been. I've been really impressed with him. Um, in terms of the others, that I, I like Enzo Fernandez. I think he, he divides opinion. Look, this is a guy that if he'd cost 50, 60 million, no one's really saying too much about him. But because he's because of its because of the cost of, of of the player, that invites scrutiny and 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 kind of more criticism. I think he's done well. He was I thought it was brilliant last season when he came into the team in a difficult environment. Uh, this season he's been good at times, but then also he has flattered to deceive on other occasions. I think it's clear that for me, Poch probably slightly misprofiling him. Uh, the system might not be getting the best out of him. But I think there's a, I think there's a very good player in there. Uh, you know, we subsequently found out he's got a bit of a hernia issue, which for me maybe he's been playing through that for a while. Hasn't really looked himself, but I, I like him as a player. Um, I think obviously Christopher Nkunku is 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 the one that you know a lot of people are excited about. I think a lot of people within Chelsea have pinned their hopes on him being able to transform the season. I mean, look, we've seen a little bit from him. Uh, he looks a cut above the rest. You know, he, he he really does in terms of his quality. He's got that experience. I know he's still reasonably young at 25, 26 or whatever, but you know, you can just tell when he gets on the ball the way he picks up the pockets, his quality of passing, the way that he reads the game, the way that you know. He's he makes the right decisions in the final third. I'm excited by him. Uh, and I guess another one. I'm a massive fan of Mudrick. You know, I, I think this season. I think he's. I think he's developed a lot this season already. People forget this guy's not. A lot of these players haven't even been here a year. The only yeah. ones that have been, the only ones that yeah. have been here more than twelve months are what Chilwell, James Sterling, Sterling, and and Thiago Silva. The rest of them. I mean, obviously, I'm Reese James as well. But the rest of the guys in the squad, these guys haven't even been here for a year. Like uh, and for me, I think Madrid. You know, this season particularly, he's he's added a few goals to his game. He's getting a few assists. He looks dangerous. He looks like his confidence has improved. He's going to be one of them players that might take a little bit of time to develop, but you can see the improvements that he's made from from when he's or from when he first joined. So, I'd probably say those guys are ones that I'm most excited by. But look, we have we have signed some good players. Um, I know football fans don't like it, but it's going to take time to see the best to, to, to see the best of them. When you look at from when Chelsea were, when Todd Bowley took over to now, is it purely down to mismanagement of the club? Because there's got to be some sort of blame into where, how and where Chelsea have, how far they've fallen. Is it down to the coaches that they brought in? Is it their fault for the team selection? Is it the players' fault? Is it? The board. Who who would you say from for you going to the bridge pretty much every week, being there front and centre? Who would you say is to 
partly to blame or mostly to blame for how Chelsea have been from European champions nearly three years ago to where they are now. I think it's a, it's got to be a combination of all three. I know people love to have like a scapegoat or a singular thing to blame uh, because it's it they, they, it makes them feel a bit better or it's like a it's a bit of a get out. But for me, it's got to be a combination of all those things that you said in terms of. Like what I would say is that this is not all on the Bowley era administration. I think if you go back to the Roman, to go back to times on the Roman, you could see that the squad needed refreshing. You could see that we need to recruit, and we didn't, and we didn't do it. So I'm not saying that you know this was waiting to happen, but I've got like for me, like there were signs of this happening uh, years ago under Roman, but the trophies kind of papered over that. I said at the time when we, when we won when we won in Porto, right? I was absolutely delighted, but I said. At the time, in the long run, that will do more harm than good for this football club because it allowed people to think that that squad was good enough to compete. It allowed people to think that, when in reality, it absolutely wasn't. And we massively overachieved with that group of players. No well-run football club allows key players two years in a row to enter into the last 12 months of their contract. Rudiger, Christensen. No one allows Mason Mount at the time to enter the last 12 months of his contract. You know, when you win a Champions League, you tie those guys down to new contracts. Like, so I think it goes back to that. It goes back to poor recruitment under Roman. Look, Roman was great for us, but let's not pretend everything was amazing. The recruitment, I'm sorry, was dreadful, you know, in terms of not thinking ahead in windows, in terms of not bringing players in. We knew the midfield needed refreshing for years and years and years, and yet we just never did it. We never did it. So I look back to that recruitment poor under Roman towards the end, and then I look to, to Bowley. I'm not saying the recruitment's been awful because... It, there, there's some good players there, but the problem is we've not, you know, you look at teams and they have an experienced core and spine, and then you kind of flesh in two to three youngsters in and around that, whereas we've gone for the complete opposite approach. I like what Bowley and, and co have done in terms of their approach. It's ambitious. Um, you know, they ca- I think they do care about the football club. People say they're just in it for the money. The quickest way to make money is by winning. So I don't, I don't buy into this aspect that they, that they don't want to win. I just think, They've made too many changes way too quickly. Everything from top to bottom of the football club, from people in the boardroom, from playing staff, from coaches, etc. That's all changed in what, two years or just under two years? The whole lot's changed. Now, I get it. You want to change the squad. You want to change the people. You want to bring your own people in. That's fine. I just think there's been too many changes too quickly. So that, for me, is they're, they're partly responsible. They're obviously responsible for that. I think the sporting director is obviously responsible for the way that they put the squad together. It's clear that the manager hasn't had as much input as perhaps reports would allow you to believe in terms of putting a squad together. I think a lot of the summer business was, because he didn't start work till July, a lot of the business is kind of done before that in terms of players being identified and stuff. So I don't think he had an awful lot of say in that. You can see he's not particularly happy with some of the, uh, with the makeup of the squad in terms of maybe the quality, but also a lack of experience. I'm not sure how much he rates a lot of these players. So sporting directors have got to take a lot of responsibility as well. But then the manager has to take responsibility also. Look, I'm, I'm a fan of Pochettino. I think he's a right fit for what we're doing, but he's not immune from criticism either. There's been a number of times this season for me where in-game management's been, fought, been, been, been poor. Tactical stuff has not been great. Um, selections have not, not made the most sense. Players, misprofile players being selected out of position. This is not just a potch thing. This goes back to Tuchel and others, you know, playing players out of position. Uh, it's not necessarily a new thing at Chelsea. So look, for me, mate, it's a combination of all of them. But I think the biggest one is the way the squad's been put together and the wholesale changes at the club that have basically taken place way too quickly. You've been to a lot of away games and our away form, even some... You know, some some matches in at home as well have been poor. 
what's been the consensus of Chelsea fans when you guys have travelled? And I've I've met you outside the gates at Old Trafford. I've seen you at St James's Park as well. You've been to many, many away games. What's the consensus from this season so far about where Chelsea are going? Is there a little bit of concern? Is there more hope amongst the Chelsea supporters? And in your opinion, do you believe that this is just a little bit of a, say, like a mini crisis, but there's something building towards the future? Bear in mind, we are in the semi-final of the League Cup. I know people will dismiss it because it, they see it as a secondary competition. When you've got players that have played in, with all due respect, secondary leagues, this is important for them. Bear in mind, you said about the ages. A lot of them are 20, 21, 22. They haven't won anything before. So what what would you say for you? Was, would you be more concerned where the club's heading or is there a little bit of hope and a little bit of more thoughtful process to it? It's, it's tough because in the heat of the moment after games like Old Trafford this season, like Goodison Park, like St. James's Park, you know, you come out and you're thinking you do lose a little bit of faith in, in the direction you think this project's going in. But then I suppose when you've got a little bit of time to cool off and 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 reflect and kind of look back on it in a bit more of a calm head. Like for me, Chelsea's one of them where at the moment, every time you get a little bit of hope, the very next game you come crashing down to reality with with a poor performance. You know, every time you think we've got a win, let's go on a run now. And the next game we lose. And then we do tend to respond the following game, but you can't keep going win, lose, win, lose, win, lose like that. Um it's it's tricky. I think people understand. Uh, in terms of that this is a process and that this is going to take some time for these players to gel, which I think is is will be widely accepted by a lot of people. But at the same time, when you put in certain performances like we've put in this season, like you can't hide behind a project and a process when you're when you when you see certain performances that we've done. We can't just be like, oh, it's all right we lost four one to Newcastle because in twelve to eighteen months time this team might be really good. You've also got to get results now, or you've at least got to show, even if you lose, you've got to at least show in those performances that there is something to cling on to and you can see what we're looking to do. And this, that hasn't always been the case. Now, there's a, lot, there's a lot of the division within the fan base. and There's a lot of people that think Pochettino is not good enough. They've, they've seen enough. Um, and then there's probably more fans like myself that think, yes, he's got to do better, but if you think this is solely a managerial issue, then you are massively misreading the whole situation because it's, it's the like, I think people like to crit, like you know single out the manager because it's the one thing that they can sort of have any sort of control over. These players aren't going anywhere, and these owners aren't going anywhere for ten years. So wasting energy on saying I'll oh, get the owners out or you know get rid of these players that have just come on seven eight year contracts is is a waste of time. So for, for me, look, yeah, the manager's got to do better. Ultimately, the responsibility does fall on the manager, but. You know, I think people need to maybe just think a little bit more about things. And when when you when you challenge any people, anyone who's who's Pochettino out, a they can't give you a, a, a you know they can't give you a, a you know a realistic replacement that would do any better. All they say is, oh, it's not my job to find someone. Well, that's yeah, it's not. But if you're going to have that opinion, you've got to be able to at least back it up with a realistic person to come in that you think's actually going to do any better. So. For me, I'm not saying that we just blindly keep him if, if the results are poor and we finish bottom half of the table. I'm absolutely not saying that. But I think as a football club, in whatever way, we have to get to the end of the season with this manager intact. Because I've changed midway through the season, if it were to happen. I think that sets us further back. I don't want to go down the road of another interim. And you think as a manager, 
you're looking at Chelsea and and and, and the start of this project under Bowley and Co. And you're thinking, why is a top manager? Would I want to go to that? You know, why? We're trying to move away from the hiring and buying process, which doesn't work in football anymore. We, we've seen that. We got away with it uh, at the time because the squad was good enough to win uh, and the Premier League was nowhere near as competitive as it is now. Having money now is not enough. You have to have an identity. You have to have the right culture and all these things. And I think the identity and the culture at Chelsea has has massively gone missing. And we, we have to find that again. You say that when you terms of the identity and how the fans feel about the club and the connection between the between the fans and the club. I saw that earlier this year in the Champions League when we beat Dortmund at home, when we needed to beat Dortmund at home. They came in, there was flares and all sorts of unbelievable atmosphere. We win the game, Havertz scores the penalty, we go through, we then play Real Madrid. That type of identity that we had, or the connection we had with us and, and the team was there, albeit it was under bad um, circumstances because in the league we were Shocking under Potter. Potter goes, Lampard comes in as an interim, obviously to try and appease the supporters because Bowley, as you say, Bowley and co are trying to keep things afloat and not have everything completely and utterly ruined in the short space of time. That doesn't work because it's not, it's not certainly not the same team that Lampard left 18 months before. He brings in Potch, which I think, I was half half for it, half against it. I was half for it because this is a guy who knows how to mould a young team. He's done it twice. And this is a guy who's got Premier League experience. Where else in the league or in Europe have you got somebody to do that? I was partly against it, not because of his Tottenham links, but I was thinking, can this guy work with Bowley? Can this guy work under pressure? Because he didn't do it at PSG. I want him to stay. I'm not a potch out because, as, as you said, Charlie, who else is there to come in? We've gone through everybody. And with all due respect, he didn't can't get to come in as an interim anymore. That ship has well sailed. So who else can come in? So club-wise, yeah, it's frustrating. I hate seeing Chelsea lose to Wolves, whereby you're thinking, how the hell can we lose to Wolves and Wolves are struggling? How can we lose to Man United at Old Trafford and Man United are on the worst form for 35, 40 years, and we made them look like Brazil from the 1970s. Yeah, it is frustrating. But as you said, rightfully so, these players are young, but there's one key thing that's missing. And I partly do blame Bowley and Co and the um, the whole process for this. Where's the experience? James has come, James is the club captain. He's never on the pitch. We've got Thiago Silva, who's like a fine wine. He has aged so well, and there's talk of uh, talk about he will leave in the summer. He goes. Where's the experience after that? But there, there isn't, and this is the problem. Like you, yeah. you, you, you like ev- and people go on about oh, you know, oh, you know, class of '92. You know, they won loads of stuff with young players. They did. But look at the experienced pros: Schmeichel in goal, Roy Keane, yeah. Cantona, Bruce, Pallister. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? The, these guys to help those young kids through difficult moments. You look on the pitch as a young team and you're struggling difficult moments in a game. You're looking around and you're thinking, where where, where, where am I getting help from yeah. my senior pros? Looking at Thiago Silva at the back and you're looking at, what, Raheem Sterling if he's playing in the forward line. There's nothing. Yeah. And that, that that's a huge, huge problem. Um, it's a massive problem. And yes, obviously in time, these guys will become more experienced. But there's a reason why young teams, solely a young team, don't tend to win anything 
or do that well, it's because there's a complete lack of experience and know-how to get you through the tricky moments. A lot of these guys are essentially learning on the job. Look at the makeup of the teams in the league. There's no teams that are doing what we're doing in terms of how the squad's been built. Everyone, every team's got talented youngsters in there, but they're surrounded by experienced professionals. And that's why when new signings come into, you know, winning teams and whatnot, if they don't start that well, not much is made of it because they're in a successful team. Whereas if you come in as if you're a young guy and you come into a team that's struggling, it gets highlighted and it's unfair on those players. I think it's unfair on some of these youngsters that we've bought in and chucked them straight into the firing lungs. We've had to, that they're getting heavily criticised. We should never be putting these type of players in that position in the first place. No, because especially if it doesn't work out and you've got players constantly having bad games, not because they're not good enough, but because the confidence isn't there. And you've got play, sorry, fans in the Matthew Arden end giving them stick constantly. That's, that's not helping. I'm not saying fans can't complain because I'm one of them that would complain every single week. But when you've got players, as you said, being thrown in, we concede a goal. The amount of times I've seen us concede a goal and I look at the players, they all look round wanting to see, OK, who's going to jeer us up? Who's going to be somebody to take the ball by the horns? None of them. Because yeah. they're all thinking, where's the experience gone? Silver can't do it every week. He's nearly 40, for Christ's sake. He can't do it every week. As you say, Sterling, he flatters to deceive. I'm not his biggest fan. I'll never be his biggest fan, personally. But other than that, who else have you got? Enzo, he's still a, he's still a young guy. I know he's one, he was part of the team that won the World Cup, but he's still young. Yeah, He hasn't got that experience factor. And people will say, oh, well, we should have got Declan Rice. Because of the Mason Mount fiasco, Fiasco, Rice was never going to come to us after that. I also think on Rice, like generally, if if Chelsea legitimately wanted Declan Rice, we would have got him. Because you know, like that in terms of what in terms we would have got him under Frank. Yeah, we would have got him if 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 Rice wanted to come to Chelsea and Chelsea genuinely wanted Rice, we would have signed him. Because you see how we've moved in the market. If we want a player, nine times out of ten, we genuinely we generally get them. I think another problem we've got is that to go with the lack of experience thing and chucking players straight into the deep. And another issue we've had is that, if we're being perfectly honest, we've massively overpaid for a lot of these players. I, I, don't, I don't believe that there's, we've signed bad players. I just think I don't think there's such thing as bad players, but I think there's such thing as bad prices. And I think we've massively overpaid for a lot of these players. Um, and with that, with those fees comes expectation. I think a lot of these guys have come from being sort of shining lights in their respective teams in, in lesser leagues. Um, where they've not come in for criticism and they're coming into a Chelsea team which is massively struggling on for big money, not hitting the ground straight away, which is which is normal, and they can't deal with the expectation and the pressure. So I don't think it's helped the fact that, we'll be honest, we've massively overpaid for pretty much all our signings. Yeah, you'd have to say, even when you bring in the likes of Mudrick, who played less than 50 professional games and we bring him in for £80 million, did we bring him in for £80 million to outbid on, on Arsenal, who were top of the league by then and wanted him? Maybe. We'll have to ask the guys behind recruitment. Did we overly spend on Enzo? Maybe. Did we overspend on Caicedo? Maybe. Lavia? Maybe. But th- this, this is the thing. Chelsea, we've always overspent on players. We've spent on Sean Wright-Phillips many years ago. We overspent on him. So... It's always been Chelsea ever for the last 20 years. The difference is now, 
we had a spine in place that was there as a core for the next five, 10 years, and we could overspend on players. Because as you say, if they had one bad season, like a jog in his first season to an extent, there's always the next season. There's always a season after because you've got other players to come in. But he also had in Drogba's last in Drogba's first season, which he openly struggled. I remember he got booed at times by by yeah, he did, yeah. fan yeah. base. But around him, you know, people like Frank Lampard having a season where he was second in the Ballon d'Or. So like, yes. it, so <laughs> yeah. do you know what I mean? Like you had it, it didn't matter as much because you had other people carrying carrying the team, and you had a team that was one of the best in the world. So if you're a young player coming in and struggling, it didn't really matter that much because the senior players around you were were, were doing the business. When you look back on earlier this year, there was one game in particular that caught my attention and I did go to this. It was the Chelsea-Newcastle last game of the season. We drew oh, yeah. one all. They did the lap of honour, which many people did not see. I, I was one of them that did, but... There was a lot of talk afterwards about you know Mason Mount leaving and then Loftus Cheek having these little round of applause and then him going because people knew that he was going. Do you think, looking back, based on what we've seen to, up to the present, that perhaps maybe too many players left Chelsea in the summer, whereby the likes of Kovacic left, Loftus Cheek, Pulisic, them type of players? Do you think that they even um, Golo Kante? Do you think? we maybe should have kept some of them? Or do you think that we was right to maybe say, right, we need to start afresh. These players have to go. Uh, I, I'm kind of in the middle. I think these players did have to go because I think we were well overdue uh, a squad a squad refresh. I think we all knew that. Um, the reason why it's had to all come at once goes back to the point I was making earlier because we weren't refreshing the squad when we should have been doing that. So we kind of come to a head where we're like, right, we've basically got a do we've got to refresh the whole squad in like three windows it is essentially what's happened and now you look at it and you think right okay we probably only need a couple more pieces of the jigsaw maybe we need a center forward and then maybe one or two others and then you think the squad was is pretty set and we'll go in kind of a one in one out basis in windows going forward in terms of players that have left look i think kovacic served the club well but ultimately for the last 12 months his performances were on the decline and he's a bench player at man city is that really is that really a bad thing for us that he's gone i don't i don't think so at the time I was massively against Mason Mount leaving. But hindsight's a great thing. And you look back at it now and you think, well, he's done nothing at Man United. He's been injured most of the time. And he's not played any good football for coming up to two years now. To get 60 million quid for him, is that really a bad thing? I, I don't think it is. I, I, I more feel, I'm not about the player leaving. I more feel in the circumstances that he left. I feel that Chelsea, I just get a feeling that, particularly with certain players, they're not treated very well. You should be treating players much better whether they want to stay or whether they want to go, players should be treated better. We saw it with Mason Mount. Uh, there's always two sides to every story. You see it with that. Uh, I think you might potentially see it with Conor Gallagher going forward as well now. Like, it's, I, I don't mind if players leave, players come and go all the time. Better players than Mason Mount and Conor Gallagher will leave Chelsea Football Club. But it's the way that we treat these players that I'm looking at and I'm thinking, doesn't really sit right with me that. Uh, so I think that's something we have to do better at is the way that we treat players at the club when it comes to renewing contracts and whether they want to stay or whether they want to go. But ultimately, I don't look back with any regret this summer and think, oh, shit, I wish we had X, Y, Z player. Because ultimately, those players over the last 12 months and their time at the club, they haven't been good enough and they haven't made an impact. And in terms of, as you say, the likes of Pulisic, who he had maybe six months, that was great, um, in, in the lockdown season and then picked up an injury in the cup final, has not been the same player since. Serie A, probably the best league for him. But 
experience-wise, yeah, I think Chelsea is lacking that a little bit in terms of the team, but it will come, especially if you keep players like Badishil, Colwell as well. I mean, Levi Colwell's come in. He had a great season last season. He's come in. He's a young lad. People still need to remember that. He's playing out of position, for Christ's sake. He's not a left-back. You know, a blind man would can see he's he's not a left back, but he continuously persists playing there. And I just feel that Chelsea do need, even when you look at likes of Chilwell and James, something I think for twenty twenty four needs to be done about them too, because they've not had a full fit season for over two years, even under Tuchel, and that is a concern. Do you feel a little bit of in terms of the injuries as well? Because we've had a lot. I've never known. An, Chelsea over the last couple of years to have so many injuries, whether they're short or long term. I've never known it. Under Roman, it was all sort of under the carpet. If somebody was out for six weeks, it didn't matter. Lampard was out for a while. It didn't matter. Terry was out. It didn't matter. Now, we're getting over six players a week injured. And I think you put it on X, I believe. I think it was um, even before the Palace game. We could have had a whole squad that's injured, fit, you know, available for Palace, but they're all injured. Yeah, look, it, uh, injuries are part and parcel of football. Everyone likes to moan about injuries, but I would say that, like, for Chelsea specifically, like, to have nine to 12 players out every single week since the start of the season mm. is is ridiculous. And when you're when you're a young side trying to build continuity and you're having to constantly chop and change the lineup every single week, that, that is not conducive to building a team unit and building cohesion when the players are changing, when the team's changing every week. Nine to 11 players out, you know, name me one manager or one club that is dealing with that any better than we are. I, I just don't I just don't think it's possible. I don't care who the manager is. If any, you could have Pep Guardiola at Chelsea right now. If you're dealing with that level of injuries on a weekly basis and you're trying to get a young team to improve, it's not going to happen when that many players are out. It, it just simply isn't. And it's not just the players that are out. It's that actual... It's the quality of those players. Four or five of those are in the starting eleven, and it's and it also makes the options from the bench better. So you look at our bench in recent weeks, and it's full of academy players, pretty yeah. much. And yeah. I'm not, no, 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 no disrespect to them because Cobham produced some fantastic players. But when you're in a moment, you're thinking, right, I need something from the bench, and you look to it, there's nothing there to try and make a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, the injuries have been a big problem. It's something we have to get to the bottom of. It's, and this is not just a thing under Poch. This was happening under Tuchel as well. You know, people like to blame medical departments. You know, there's an entirely different medical department when Tuchel was here. We still had loads of injuries. It's a different medical department now. We still have loads of injuries. And as you say, you pick up injuries in football, but every time a Chelsea player gets injured, it seems to be six to eight weeks absolute minimum. Yeah, and then. And then, you know, when you think they're about to come back, it's like, oh, they've had a setback. And it's like they're they're missing for like another four months. Like, Shukomek is a prime example. Injured, second game of the season against West Ham. Original prognosis, oh, he'll be out for six weeks max. The guy's not been seen since August. And it's almost January now. What's, what's, what's happened to him? And you don't get any, you don't get any updates. I get it. You might you might not want to put time frames on injuries because then you, you open yourself up to a little bit of, you know, criticism. It's like, oh, he's going to be back on X date and he's not. But at the same time, you, I, I, I like it. They put out the injury reports before each game. Fine. But it doesn't really tell you anything in terms of it just tells you those players are out. But it gives you no idea when they're coming back. I mean, Chalabar, another one. I'm not saying he's not injured or I'm not buying into that conspiracy. But the guy got injured in pre-season. He's going to be out for a month. It's nearly January. Like, you haven't, you haven't seen him in a squad once. Like, you know, like it, it's, I've it's, heard from a couple of sources he ain't one. injured. 
it's, it's a weird one. It goes back to my point as well, like about how, they, about how we treat players. Mm. You know, it's like that's poor. It is poor. But yeah. no, the injuries are a massive problem. I don't know whether it's the, 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 the training we're doing on the pitches. I don't know whether it's the stuff we're doing in the gym. Are we doing enough conditioning work? Are we doing too much gym work? Uh, is the recovery process wrong from injuries? I, I, look, I, you can blame the medical department if players come back from injury and they get re-injured again pretty quickly. Because um, I, I refuse to believe that we have signed a squad of injury-prone players. I, I, I just don't believe that. So there's something fundamentally I wrong. That, no. No, no, I think there's something fundamentally wrong that we're doing within our training process, whether it's gym, whether it's on the pitch, whether it's the conditioning or whatever it is. It's a collective responsibility for me for all parts of everyone at the training ground. But it has to, it has to be solved because we cannot carry on like this. I'm going to try and end on a positive note. Charlie, you've been to many grounds, especially for this year, and I've seen you in some of them, especially um, from last year. What's been the best away ground or slash away performance you've seen from Chelsea this season? Or what's been some of the best games that you've seen Chelsea in 2023? I know there hasn't been many, but there's got to be some little gems that have come out sort of uh, that you could maybe come out of the hat. I'll tell you what, mate. I, like It was earlier this season, but you can't get... I think one of the best games of the year, and admittedly there's not many to choose from, the 4-1 at Spurs back in whenever it was, maybe November or October, if it was that long ago. Uh, that like going into that game, it was like we have to win this game. Spurs were flying, and we turned up and we won four one. Yes, it was down to nine men or whatever, but I don't think anyone expected that. It, it was a ridiculous game. To just being the ground there, the the atmosphere in the away end, it was unbelievable. I, I probably picked that as the best away game in terms of you know what actually happened in the match. In terms of grounds to visit, I think St James's Park is unbelievable to go yeah. to. Uh, it's it's amazing. I know we've been crap there. <laughs> uh, in, the, in the last couple of seasons. But in terms of just a, a stadium to visit, you know, how much the people live and breathe football up in Newcastle, it's an amazing place to go. Other away performances, do you know what, mate? There's not there's not that many positive many. ones. Mate, I'm struggling to think of what other ones we got. I mean, I don't know if you were there last, se- uh, last season when we beat uh, Le- Leicester away when we won 3-1. Was, was, yeah, I was, was there for that yeah. one. That was a that, good that, one. That, yeah. that, that was quite good as well, to be fair. You know, yeah. the away end was decent there. Um but to be honest, man, I'm struggling to think of many others. You look at it and you're thinking, we haven't. We I'd haven't, say, I'd say, man, won that many. I'd say, man, you away last season when we got spanked. That was that was a nightmare. That was a very uh, bad. That was that was awful. Finish. But do you know what? Despite getting absolutely hammered, the away end was pretty good that night. Yeah, no. In terms of atmosphere and Chelsea, you know, chanting for ninety minutes. Yeah, they did. We certainly did that. Even when we scored the consolation, people were going nuts about it. You're like, yeah. is this how we've, is this how hard we've fallen? But in terms of atmosphere, I mean, you know, Chelsea's away support for decades good. has always been good. None of it has been any major criticism. You've not had any major fallouts at away games with certain people. It's most been mostly at home games when you've had passionate supporters collide with tourists. Yeah. That's been the issue in some of the home games, which is why a lot of the atmosphere at Stamford Bridge isn't great anymore because oh. and, um, when you look at the attendance, the attendance has been down. And many of the home games, the attendance has been under 40,000, which hasn't been like that at Chelsea for a long, long time. So that tells you as well where the club is. But in terms of yourself, Charlie, and you know, being one of the most addicted Chelsea supporters I know, what's your hope for 2024 for Chelsea? Just to be better. I mean, I'm not asking for too much. Just, just be better. Maybe 
win, win a trophy, as you touched on earlier in the show, like the Carabao Cup is massively important for us. Oh, people, sure. like to, people like to sort of look down on it and belittle it and whatnot, but ultimately, like it, it, more than just a trophy, it's what it would mean for the club at this point in time. You saw when Jose first come in, no one really took the League Cup seriously. He targeted it. First trophy as a manager in England, first trophy for this group of players to win, and it gives you that mentality. So for me, it'd be a first trophy for this ownership, a first trophy in England for Poch, and a first trophy for this group of players, which shows as a group, do you know what? We can win as a group. And the yeah. momentum and, and 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 what that gives you. So for me, I think we have to be targeting the Carabao Cup. No disrespect to Middlesbrough, we should be beating them over two legs, and then the final's the final. Anything can happen. But for 2024, I just think, you know, con- continuity, you know, keep doing... Get just get better, basically. I know that sounds easy to say that, but we've got to improve. Get get add, add a trophy in the bag. I think we can win this Carabao Cup, um, and then kind of just see where the year takes us. But I don't have massive expectations. A trophy in the Carabao Cup, fantastic. And then look, just build, just keep building, basically. Bit more consistency, bit more of an identity, bit more of a style of play on, on a more consistent base. Because we have seen it at times in terms of Man City, in terms of Tottenham and whatnot, Arsenal for eighty odd minutes. We've seen that the identity and what, what Pochettino football is. We just don't see it on a consistent enough basis. So more of that football on a consistent basis, more positive results, and let's try and get the Carabao Cup in the bag. That That's that's my hopes for, for 2024. N- not asking too much, but uh, it's kind of where we're at right now. You looking forward to Luton? Uh, no, not really, because <laughs> at, at the start of the season, it would have been like, yeah, Luton, easy game, you know, in terms of... Well, we beat them at home, obviously, Mate, Luton away last few weeks have become quite a tough one. You see them getting yeah. a point against Liverpool. You see them running Arsenal very close. City struggled, they nearly to, get, beat City, City yeah. struggled to get a result there. They just got yeah. over the line. They beat Newcastle there. Mate, this is not an easy one now. You suddenly look at Luton away and you're thinking, Luton away, 12.30 on a Saturday. <laughs> Looking at it and you think, with this Chelsea team, you think it's got loss written all over it. But <laughs> yes. we've, got, we've, got a, we've got a belief, but it's going to be yeah. much tougher than I think any of us expect will expect it to be. And if anybody listening to this or is going to be watching this on YouTube, if they want to find you, because obviously you go to the games and you do certain reports on X and you've, you've got your own YouTube channel as well, how can they find you? And obviously plug yourself for 30 seconds before we, before we wrap this up. Uh, yeah, literally. So you guys can find me on Chelsea Fan TV, doing stuff after the games, doing shows in the weeks. You can find me over on there. Got my own channel as well called Blue Brother CFC, heading towards 8,000 subscribers. So just doing... Uh, you know, usual stuff there, match previews, transfer news, all, all the kind of usual stuff, match vlogs and all that sort of thing. So if you want to head over there and subscribe, that would be greatly appreciated. Uh, those are the two main places that uh, that you'll find me on. Perfect. Charlie, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Hopefully this will not be the, the first and only time. But of, in terms of our supporters, thank you very much for being a part of the Blue Day podcast for 2023, 2024. We're going to have some big plans, so be sure to catch us with that. But all I'll say is you guys have a lovely, happy new year. Keep supporting Chelsea. Keep the blue flag flying. Stay safe, folks, and carefree. 